Hey, 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 how's it going, everybody? Sam Jelenic with you for our first off-season edition of the Pig Pod. If you uh, are new to the program, obviously, this is our uh, podcast here for the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, encompassing just a little bit of everything that we do here at the team, touching on some news, some notes, got some player interviews. We'll interview basically anybody and everybody coming up here throughout the entire off-season, players, staff, coaches, uh, front office members, all that, while we try to keep things interesting here during the off-season. So, so happy you could join us. I uh, hope you liked the episodes that we were able to crank out during the season, or thanks to Trey Cobb and Weston Wilson for helping us put those together, but it's our first off-season edition of this one, which gives me a little bit more time to, you know, talk about some things that we got brewing here at Coca-Cola Park, and, you know, with us releasing us releasing this episode here uh, towards the latter part of the week of, uh, you know, middle of November, we did just, in big news for the organization, release our new Saturday jerseys. Those are the Hex Pennsylvania Dutch-inspired Lehigh Valley jerseys. Uh, a lot of work went into them from our entire creative team all the way up top, and they simply look fantastic. If you haven't seen them yet, uh, they are Hex-inspired, Pennsylvania Dutch-inspired, so it's the, the same navy blue. Uh, everybody has grown to know and love here at the Iron Pigs, uh, and the Lehigh Valley adorned across the front in Pennsylvania Dutch uh, iconography and calligraphy, which is, you know, a really kind of special kind of, uh, you know, font that I think just looks stupendous. So it's got that on the front, uh, the hat interlocking LV, and then the big part of the jersey for us was the hex sign. And if you don't know the story of hexes uh, here in Pennsylvania Dutch country, the, the whole idea of the hex is to ward off bad spirits. It's kind of a, a, a mythical, mystical, kind of witchcraft type of thing. Uh, and the hex... You adorn it. Typically, a lot of times it's got flowers, diamonds, uh, that kind of thing. And what the Pennsylvania Dutch used to do with them and still do with them today is you create these hex as a way to ward off evil spirits. You hang it on the front of your barn, front of your house, any sacred meeting place, special place where you have a lot of people that you want to keep the bad spirits out of. Um, and, you know, we thought, well, there's no better place for us to keep bad spirits out of than Coca-Cola Park, warding off all of our enemies and making sure that we have that displayed on our jerseys. So if, you know, if you want to purchase one of those jerseys and you actually see them up close in person, on the left sleeve, uh, there's a beautiful hex that we had designed, which encompasses everything that we love here about the Lehigh Valley. It's got a, a pig representing, obviously, Coca-Cola Park and the Iron Pigs. It's got the strawberry, which represents Hess's, uh, the department store and the patio restaurant we did our start of our city series last year uh which encompassed uh you know representing allentown and the strawberry pies that hesses used to make that are so famous here in the area and then to represent bethlehem and easton for bethlehem that's pretty easy the bethlehem star and then for easton the traffic circle as well combine that all together you got a beautiful hex with the interlocking bats with the baseball in between to break it all up it's really beautiful really represents lehigh valley uh in this area and it's going to help us ward off the evil spirits <laughs> trying to get here into coca-cola park so we're we're really excited to debut those here this week. Uh, make sure you get them in time for the holiday season. You can either stop by the Majestic Clubhouse store, uh, which is always open Monday through Friday here at the ballpark, or much easier, go to shopironpigs.com, uh, and you can get those ordered straight to your house, uh, and they just look fantastic. We have a full lineup of apparel for that, so not only the jersey, there's the hat, sweatshirt, crew neck, t-shirt. Uh, I think as well as uh, one other thing I want to add is a really awesome small thing that we have for it is we got that hex 
design uh, in a sticker. If you want to throw that on a laptop or water bottle or anything like that, it's really beautiful. Uh, Brandios was the company that designed it for us, and they brought it to life just simply stunningly. Um, so it's a great little uh, stocking stuffer if you want to throw that in there that I think looks fantastic. Uh, we're just super excited to debut it for everybody. And, you know, it was really fun doing the video shoot for that uh, and getting to play into kind of the dark underside of Pennsylvania Dutch and kind of the lore and the history and kind of the spookiness of it. Uh, and it all came together really well. And we're excited to be able to wear those every Saturday here at home this season. And, you know, a great photo op uh, later this year is every Saturday uh, we'll, we actually got made uh, four foot <laughs> four foot diameter hex signs, uh, which will be outside, two outside of the East Gate here at the ballpark, and then one outside the West Gate uh, here at Coca-Cola Park. So if you are interested in getting a great picture in front of them, we'll have those on display here throughout the entire season. That's not the only bit of uniform news we have. We will have more uniform news dropping on. It is well, post this episode, I believe, on Thursday the 16th or Friday the 17th, but it'll be Monday the 20th. We have more uniform news coming. Uh, I won't completely spill the beans on those yet, but uh, just keep an eye out on the 20th. That We got some more news coming uh, in relation to our uniforms there, a little bit of a redesign um, for one of our uniforms throughout the week. I won't detail which, but they look really cool. I can assure you they are awesome, uh, and it'll be just another thing that you know, you're going to want to add to your shopping list here for the holidays. So that, that's kind of some news and notes um, here from inside the organization, and that kind of leads us into some stuff to do on the baseball side of the organization, which leads us to our interview for today, and that's with Nick Podkel. Uh, if you haven't been keeping track the past week or two, uh, there's been a lot of uh, transactions as far as guys electing minor league free agency or maybe some guys resigning with the organization, guys being added or traded, either uh, traded outside the organization or added to the 40-man roster. And one guy who was a free agent for technically a hot minute was uh, Nick Podkel. And Nick uh, has elected to resign here with the Phillies. Uh, he was a guy who had a great little three-week cameo with the Iron Pigs during the season, suffered a absolutely brutal injury, got hit by a uh, pitch in the face, which took him out for the rest of the season. But thankfully, he lived to tell the tale, and he's more than okay now getting ready for the 2024 season. And we're happy to have him on the podcast uh, here today in order to talk about what his season was like, how he's doing in his recovery, and kind of cover everything uh, in between as well. Because he's a guy with a great story, grew up in the Midwest, went to Notre Dame, rose to the Blue Jays system, uh, had some trouble, but then reinvented himself. And now is kind of a great part of the Phillies organization, a guy who started out at double-A last year, played his way to triple-A again, um, and kind of represents what the Phillies look to do in player development uh, and has a, had a great impact on this clubhouse and kind of that everybody truly loves to have around. So I'll, start, I'll stop blabbering for now, and we'll uh, have our guest on here for today's episode of the Pig Pod. It's Iron Pigs infielder Nick Podkel. Hey everybody, welcome to our uh, first off-season edition of the Pig Pod. So it's only natural that uh, we got the guy with uh, Pod in his last name. I'm sure you've never heard that joke before, <laughs> Nick. Uh, it's Nick Podkel, infielder for the Iron Pigs. Nick, really happy you uh, had a little bit of time to join us here. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Let's do it. All right. So, I mean, naturally, we just got to kind of start with you joined the Iron Pigs. Uh, man, what was that? Right before the All-Star or right before or right after the All-Star break. 
Um, and you would, it was right after the All Star break. Yeah, right after the All Star break, and you would put up a really good half season with Reddick, where you were just mashing the ball out of the ballpark. You come to the Iron Pigs, you just keep on mashing, and it was kind of a, a new player profile for you, where you would never hit for that much power uh, at the minor league level. For you, what was it about this year that you were able to take such a huge step forward in that regard? Um, I think a lot of it was weight room driven and swing mechanic driven, you know, just trying to to figure out, you know, how to hit um, home runs, I guess you could say. Um, the last couple of years, you know, before this year, a lot of my uh, pull side balls were top spun. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't really figure out, you know, how to get the ball over the fence. Um, so I did some, you know, swing adjustments with some guys and um, that helped me out a lot. And then also just like kind of the mental approach, um, what pitches I can do damage with, what pitches I can't, um, and then just trying to formulate a game plan to, uh, to maximize, you know, the hard contact. So um, it was just, it was nice to kind of all see it come together this year. So hopefully I can continue building on that and, and get better. So this is something I've taken pains to try to explain to people whenever I hear it misused a little bit, but you seem like the perfect kind of instance of where, you know, you're talking about topspin and launch angle and the idea of, well, you can't hit a home run on the ground. Uh, right. How, how do you deal with whenever you hear somebody talk about all oh, this launch angle and all that exit velocity stuff, so like, you know, it, that's just a whole bunch of nonsense when really it's like you said, just the idea of, you hit the ball in the air and you hit it hard. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's going to have different cues on um, what they have to feel to uh, to ultimately hit, you know, doubles and home runs because that's what we're all trying to go for. Um, for me, you know, the last couple of years, I, I, I thought if I have to, you know, hit a home run, I got to have a home run swing. I got to swing up. Um, and for me, I don't think that worked. So this year I kind of was more like, I need to find the barrel consistently. I need to be, you know, on top of the baseball. Not that I was necessarily swinging down at the ball because um, I didn't want to hit, you know, ground balls. I'm not fast enough for that. <laughs> um, but just the, like, my my feel was that I needed to to stay above the baseball because I was missing under a lot of the previous years. Um, I think that really helped me, like, from a timing perspective, Um and then just, you know, keeping my barrel above the ball was was my cue to create that backspin pole side. So, and this was, yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of how I felt about it. And this was your first year in the Phillies organization. You're saying right before we started this, how, you know, awesome it was for you. Um, and it was also your first year outside of the Blue Jays organization. Uh, what was it like for you changing orgs and, you know, trying to get your footing, you know, changing, being around different people and coaches for the first time in your pro career? Yeah, it was um, it was a little bit different. I was a little nervous, I guess you could say, going into it because it was my first time with a new team. Uh, luckily, it was just right down the road from Dunedin. So I was familiar with the area. and You know, we play the Phillies like 100 times when I was with the Blue Jays um, in spring training. So I, I knew some familiar faces, um, so that helped a little bit. But, I mean, from day one, uh, everyone made me feel at home, and uh, they really welcomed me in. So I think that made the adjustment um, a lot easier for me. So I felt like, um, you know, from day one when I when I got to the complex, um, everyone was, you know, super kind and, you know, willing to help me, show me where things were, stuff like that. Um, so it worked out really nice, and I'm really appreciative of that.
And that leads us into kind of some more recent news for you. Uh, Philly has officially announced it, been on transaction log for a little bit, but uh, you've resigned as a minor league free agent here uh, with the Phillies. What goes into uh, that kind of decision? And uh, I, I have to imagine it's got to be nice to kind of get that out of the way early in, in uh, the offseason. Yeah, it was very nice. Um, you know, like I said, from day one, everyone, you know, made me feel, you know, like I was a Philly. So it was I was hoping that they would want to re-sign me because I really wanted to come back. Um, and I'm glad that it worked out that way. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, excited for next year and, you know, keep building and uh, see what happens. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be a Philly this year. And for you, when you head into the offseason like this, what does your day-to-day look like? I know it might be a little bit different now, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, just with the fact that, you know, thankfully, minor leaguers finally got a little bit of a pay raise. So you're not, you know, mm-hmm. as hamstrung during the offseason. But I know you go back home to uh, Indiana. So what's that like for you? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit nicer now. I used to have to do a little bit of DoorDash here and you know, try to make some extra money, but... Um, now it's pretty much just, you know, go to the weight room, go hit, go take ground ball, stuff like that. Um, luckily there's a, there's a new spot by me that has a, a full infield. So I can, I can finally take ground balls when it starts getting cold and snowy here, uh, which is, which is really nice. So yeah, just, you know, try to try to prepare for next season and, and come in ready to go and, and see what happens. How hard is it? Uh, Cause I know some guys uh, either, you know, they went to college somewhere that was warmer or there was from California or Florida. You grew up in the Midwest, you went to college at Notre Dame. So having to go during the off season, there's not really a uh, warm spot for you to go <laughs> until spring training comes around. Uh, and like you said, you're forced indoors pretty quickly. How do you kind of cope with that? Cause I mean, personally seasonal depression, not, yeah, I don't do well with it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a real thing. You know, it's tough. It, it would be nice to, to you know, have 75-degree weather in the winter and be out on the baseball field or, at the worst case, on the golf course or something. But when it starts snowing here, it's it's not fun. So uh, just, you know, a lot of cage work. And there's some domes around us. And like I said, a, a new place got built um, that I've I've been going to, which is nice because it has a full infield. Um, but, yeah, I, I usually – hang out here and you know spend time with the family and stuff like that for the holidays but um usually after the new year i try to get down to florida just because the cold weather is just so tough to to train for baseball you can't really mimic you know wearing cleats being on the dirt you know what i mean being in the florida heat for spring training so i usually try to get down there um like early january and get used to it and the one thing that you're going through a little bit more this offseason than others is a little bit of injury rehab. Uh, for anybody who somehow forgets, uh, you took a pitch right to the noggin uh, right after the All-Star break, a couple weeks after that. Um, left a pretty good pool of blood around home plate, but lived to tell the tale. And you were <laughs> in the ballpark uh, and taking yep. balls by the end of the season again. And now you're completely back up and ready to go. So just how are you doing, man? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, still a little swollen, still a little, uh, a little off, I guess you can say with, you know, I had, a, I had surgery and they put plates in my face. So like, it's still a little numb on the right side of my face. Um, but no pain. Uh, I'm back to, you know, working out. There's really no restrictions with anything that I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I feel good. It just, you know, it was a freak thing. It was hopefully a, hopefully a once in a lifetime thing, um, for me. <laughs> so yeah, I just, uh, it'll probably be a little weird, 
getting in the box again for the first time. But other than that, like, I feel normal hitting ground balls, weight room stuff. So, yeah, I guess we'll just see what happens with that. You know, at the end of the day, I would say I'm pretty lucky that it wasn't worse. And, uh, you know, everyone was very supportive and um, helped get me through it because it, it was a pretty scary deal. That's one thing a lot of guys have told me who went through rehab this past year for whatever injury it was that this happened to be a really special group uh, throughout the Phillies org that, you know, rehab down in Clearwater and then also around the Iron Pigs as well. Did you feel like, you know, that was a big thing for you? Because, you know, I thought it was huge having you back here towards the end of the season that that spoke to me a lot about, hey, that this is a good culture to be able to, you know, come and rehab with. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, again, I was I was kind of the new guy at that point. Um, I was only with the team for, I think, maybe two or three weeks. Um, you know, I had people come to the hospital that night to, to check on me. And, you know, that week asking, like, what I need, bringing me stuff in the hospital, bringing me stuff to, the, to my apartment, you know, when I couldn't make it to the field. So um, just the way that, you know, teammates, coaches, and even, like, front office, I think I think the front office sent me flowers, which was really nice um first time I got flowers in my life but <laughs> but yeah just you know it was a it was a really special group um and just you know when when people show that kind of uh like caring attitude towards you it, it really goes a long way especially when you go through a traumatic experience so I was really grateful for that so I'll I'll put you on the spot then when it comes to teammates because I know this can be a, a a pretty funny just kind of overall fun having group when there's a day when you're not in the lineup that day, who do you want to be sitting next to on the bench? Oh man, that's a tough call. <clears throat> I think I'd I'd have to probably pick Cal and Sean Anderson just because mm -hmm. I had played with them previously. Yeah. Um, so we we kind of go we kind of go back with the Blue Jays. But I mean, there's not a guy that I wouldn't want sitting by me, you know, if I have an off day every once. You know, like you said, it's a there, there's it's a tight group, some, so somebody who needles you the most on the bench, though. Um, I mean, just go down the list like Crooney, <laughs> PD's always funny. I mean, there's just there's so many guys, so I don't know. Uh, like you said, you played a little bit with Sean and Cal when you were in the Blue Jays system, and you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of people throughout kind of your baseball life, is like I like to put it to you guys, especially for guys who have played in college. It feels like you kind of know everybody. How eye-opening was it to you uh, once you kind of got into pro ball or even maybe when you were in college that like, man, this is just like everybody knows everybody. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's definitely the, uh, you know, the older you get, the uh, the more you you cross paths with different guys. And even like I said, like I knew, um, you know, like Madison Stokes and Kroon and those guys just from playing against them um, when I was in double and then uh Matt Vreeling, who was with the Phillies uh, a couple of years ago, like I, I went to college with him. So, you know, just hanging out with him in spring training. I have some some Blue Jays friends. He had his Phillies friends. So, yeah, I mean, minor league baseball is, you know, just guys you repeatedly see over and over and just, you know, you, you become really good friends with everyone, honestly, just through playing against them or with them at some point or another. Has there ever been a case where you know you play against somebody so much and it just kind of turns a little bit into a rivalry because you see him so often but then you actually get to know them and you're like okay I, I can't like not like this dude anymore yeah I mean there's definitely guys like that where you know you're playing against some for two or three years and like, God, I just you know I don't I don't like this guy and then and then he's on your team and you're like wow he's the best teammate ever you know I love him I, I want him on my side every single 
time. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's guys like that everywhere. Just you know, those the, the grinder guys, right? That you might if you're playing against him, you hate him. If he's on your team, you love him. So. Shifting into kind of some more funnier stuff since we are a little bit in off-season mode, I can see peeking out a little bit behind the hat. You got a little bit of the flow going, and I know that that was got a, big, a little bit. Uh, so you call that a little bit? How is that not like to, to me? That's relatively long. <laughs> yeah, I actually just got a haircut uh, about a week ago. It was it was getting pretty nasty, so I had to clean it up. But yeah, I mean, I I usually have it pretty long during the season, and then. uh try to shape it up and clean it up for the holidays and whatnot when I can't always wear a hat. Um, but yeah, you're doing this time just to let it go. Maybe get one haircut at the all-star break and then just let it ride. I think you'd want it the opposite. Cause I've had so many guys complain that during the season, especially when it gets like hot and muggy, having long hair and a hat under that. Oh, that's brutal. That's even better though. Then it gets a little sweaty and, and nasty. <laughs> Just a ball player look. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you take any tips uh, from Brandon Marsh about how to wet your hair? No, I didn't. I mean, he he submerges it in water. That's I don't know if I could do that. Um, but yeah, he he's got some serious flow going. That's for sure. Uh, with him, he has like the whole pregame routine with that. Do you have that? Not even necessarily for your hair. Do you have a pregame routine? Something like that you got to go through every day to make sure you're ready. Uh, yeah, I say my like uh, pregame superstition where or would probably be just taping my wrist and putting my arm sleeve on or whatever accessories I'm wearing that day. And then uh, probably the final one would just be throwing the eye black on. I usually try to wear eye black every game. So that's that's mine. When did you start with the eye black? Um, honestly, probably when I was like six, just because I saw big leaguers yeah. doing it. So I would, you know, ask my mom and dad to go to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy me some eye black or whatever. Um, yeah, I like, I like throwing the war paint on. Do you, do you do your own eye black? I do. Yep. That that's impressive because that, that's not easy to do. That's very easy to mess up. Yeah. I mean, so, sometimes I mess it up and I gotta, I gotta wash my face off and do it over. Um, <laughs> but you get, you get used to it. Is there a pregame food that you go to? I'm not a picky eater. Pretty much whatever, whatever is out there. I'll, I'll go ham. <laughs> uh, and I gotta say, I've seen some of the spreads from this past year now that the Phils have the kitchen down in the clubhouse, that's got to be a nice little perk. Mm-hmm. It's good eating for sure. I mean, uh, they, you know, they take care of us well. So uh, it's, it's not like how it used to be in the minor leagues when I, you know, when I first got drafted, it used to be the, the clubbies were throwing together peanut butter and jellies and whatnot, but now with nutritionists and, you know, we got the kitchen and everything like they take care of us. Well, it's nice. Do you give any flack to any of the younger guys who have kind of come up in the, I, I like to call it post-COVID world, you know, 2021 and on, where, you know, life for them is different. It's the six-game series at home. The minors are a bit more structured as opposed to, like you said, the, the club he's putting together PB and J's all the time. Do you try to give them a hard time about it that, you know, you, you're you a true original grinder? No, I don't, because I know that if I said something, then, you know, someone older than me, it was probably <laughs> worse before I got there. So it, should, it would just be a never ending trend. Um, but I mean, it, it definitely is different. Um, just, you know, like, like like I said, from when I was drafted and, you know, pushed back 20 years from when I was drafted, it was probably way different. So uh, I would say it's moving in the right direction, though. It's 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 getting good for all of us. Did you have kind of a, a welcome to the minors moment where you were like, oh, man, this is. This is different than Power 5 ACC baseball. Yeah, honestly, just uh, – well, actually, probably when I when we first got drafted, I um, 
we all went down to the complex for like a little mini camp before they sent us to short season. And uh, Vlad Jr. was rehabbing. So my first round of BP was with uh, with Vlad Jr. And he was hitting balls off the complex. Now just trying to get it out of the cage, you know. So that was probably a, a wake up call for me hitting in the first group with, with Vlad Jr. So that was fun. That's has to have been a little weird going through the Blue Jays system um, with the sons of various, like very famous players. Um, I'm trying to think, Kevin Biggio went to Notre Dame too, right? Yeah, I played with Kevin my freshman year. Okay, so so you were already a little little bit familiar with it about about the mm-hmm. of uh, you know you got Kevin Biggio, you got Bo Bichette, you got Flatty Junior. The you know I, I guess you you weren't as uh, intimidated by it until Vlad steps into the cage. Yeah, it was. It was normal to me. I mean, obviously they're all great players and I'm playing with Kevin, like Kevin was, was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you step into the same cage as Vlad, that's, that's a different beast. Did you ever think about the fact that you've now played around obviously those three and then you added another one in Cody Clemens this year? Yeah. And actually I played with uh Tory Hunter jr. In college too. <laughs> Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of really famous dads out there and it's, it's nice, like, you know, because they're around, right? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's cool. Cause those are guys that I watched growing up, you know, and then to see them at my game, not that they're watching me per se, but just having them around, it's, it's a really cool experience. Is there a, a cool conversation or nugget you ever got from one of them? Mm, I'm trying to think, I want to say um it wasn't directed at me I think it was actually directed at Matt Beerling in college and I I don't quote me on this but I think the story was Matt wasn't um he wasn't wearing a hat for BP and I think Craig Biggio said you need to wear a hat during BP unless you're in the big leagues or something like that it was something like that so I always wear a hat if I'm on the field now yeah once Matt got called up to the Phillies and now with the Tigers, does he still wear a hat during BP? Or does I he don't just... know. I, I don't know for sure. Um, but I can ask him next time I talk to him. <laughs> I'd actually find it hilarious if he suddenly he's like, Yeah, now I got the right. Now I yeah, got... now he's probably wearing no hat for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went back and looked uh, you know, through your baseball ref page because you know, as a broadcaster, that's kind of what I do. Uh you went and played uh summer ball in the Northwoods league actually the same summer that I was there in 2016 um okay so I saw you were with Battle Creek tell me a little bit Mm -hmm. about your experience in the Northwoods league because for those who don't know the Northwoods league is it's a summer college ball circuit that is just a grinder it is grueling it's 72 games 76 days and trying to convince any ball player to do it is crazy but you did it yeah I uh I think that's probably a really, really good thing if you're a, a college guy that wants to continue playing because, I mean, that's about as, as minor league-ish schedule as you can get. Um, and honestly, I loved it. I had a, a really good group, and Battle Creek wasn't the uh, <laughs> the greatest location of all time, but it was just one of those things where it's like we got really close with our teammates. Um, you just bond over, you know, playing baseball and taking long bus rides and doing whatever you do in your free time. Um, so it was a, it was a good time. And I mean, definitely a grind, not for everyone, but, but I enjoyed my time a lot. 
and you mentioned kind of the you know fact Battle Creek, Michigan is relatively the middle of the nowhere, but uh your baseball life has kind of taken you everywhere. Uh, you know, you got to play in Canada, you got to play for Vancouver, you played down in Florida, you, you've basically played everywhere. Is there a, a favorite spot uh, you know, either that you got to travel to or that kind of baseball led you to? Uh yeah, I mean that's what's what's so cool about baseball, right? Is you just you get to go to so many different places and meet people from literally all across the world. I mean, Vancouver was a, a pretty fun atmosphere just because you're in a different country and that's like kind of the only baseball they have there. So the fans are really, really into it. Um, every game is sold out. You know, it was just a, it was an awesome experience. It was unreal for, you know, short season a ball. I was like, Oh, this is what the minor leagues like everyone, you know, this is awesome. Um, you know, so yeah, I would, I would probably say Vancouver was the, the coolest place. Was that your first time going to Canada? It might have been, honestly. I'm not for sure, but I think it might have been my first time in Canada. Hey, did you get any time to explore uh, anywhere else around Vancouver, or were you kind of stuck? Yeah, we um, actually, I got a concussion. Uh, I, I got hit in the head with a pitch. <laughs> not in the face, but in the head. Um, so I got a concussion. So I was out for, I think, like two weeks. Um, and my host family took me to Whistler. I think is what it's called. It's like mountainy, uh, like really cool spot. You hike and there's like a little village up there. It's really, really cool. And then we took like a little boat tour and there's like some islands off the coast there. So it's a it's a really unique spot. Uh, looking ahead to, uh, you know, this upcoming season for you, uh, you know, like we already established, re-signed with the Phillies. Uh, what for you would be a good 2024 season? What What, what do you kind of have mapped out? Um, honestly, just stay healthy and try to get a full season under my belt, try to play as many games as I can. Um, I don't really want to look into, you know, stats or moving up, moving down, that kind of stuff. I just want to go out there and, and play um, every day. So that's kind of my goal is just to, you know, keep my body healthy and, you know, recover that kind of stuff to, to keep myself on the field um, and, and get a full season in. So I'd say that's my number one goal. And now that you've, you know, put together a really good career so far in the minors, is there, what do you think has been your biggest takeaway uh, from, you know, year one when you were playing short season ball to now going into, you know, a second minor league free agent contract? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just the the mental part of everything, I think, is, you know, when you're, when you're coming up, people always say, like, have a routine, you got to be mentally strong, and I don't think you really understand it um until you like get older and experience a lot of stuff like i've i failed a lot in the minor leagues um so just you know keeping that mental toughness to keep going like you know i've i've wanted to be a, a big leader since i was a kid um so i don't want to you know i didn't want to quit when i got released by the blue jays and you know luckily it worked out with the phillies um and i was able to put together a good season last year but yeah, I just think, you know, having that that mental toughness to keep going and, and grinding through, you know, you're playing every single day. Um, looking back, that's probably like the biggest adjustment is just just kind of keep going, I guess. And that mental toughness, like you said, a lot of it can be just internal pressure. But some of my favorite stories end up coming from the external pressure sometimes. Is there an instance where, you know, it happens every now and again in the minors where, you know, ballparks can sometimes be a little empty that you legitimately hear a chirp that somebody is firing at you. And you're like, okay, I got to give you that. Like that, that was actually funny. Uh, has, has anybody ever caught you like that? 
Yeah. So my first year in double A, I was, I mean, I think I, I hit like a, I, I think a triple my first at bat. Uh, so I was one for one to start the season. And then I think I went, I'm not kidding, like, oh, for my next 25 or 30. So I was, I had a zero at the start of my batting average. And then I finally got up to like a 100. Um, and we were playing the Yankees in Somerset. And some guy was chirping me about my batting average. And I, I turned around. And I said, you should have seen it last week when it was 056. <laughs> and we both started laughing. It was funny. But yeah, I mean, there's there's some good chirps out there for sure. When did you kind of learn to be able to take that in stride? Because I, I feel like, you know, it, that that's hard to do. Yeah, I just think like, I mean, you got to know that if you're if you're on the road, you're you're probably going to get chirped here or there. And um, for me, it doesn't really phase me, like as long as it's not too personal, like, you know, I'll give it back to the fan a little bit um, and then we'll probably have a good laugh after. So, yeah. I haven't had any like really personal attacks though yeah. um, that have made me feel uncomfortable. So I guess I'm lucky for that because I'm sure some guys have. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I I kind of like a good chirp here and there. Yeah, Keeps you grounded. <laughs> I mean, I've noticed you, you always take a good amount of time to sign for fans and you know make sure you're interacting really well. Is, is that just something that you told yourself when you got into pro ball that like, hey, you know, th this is kind of how I want to be? Yeah, I, it's just you know one of those things. Like again, like you're you got to put yourself in the shoes. Like if it's a, you know, a young kid, right. I was, I was that one kid at some point in my life. Um, so, you know, even if you can just take the time to sign one kid's baseball, you know, you probably made his day. So that's kind of like uh, how I try to look at it. Well, Nick, I don't want to take up any more of your time as you uh, get ready here for the 20, I can't believe I'm saying the 2024 season, but uh, we're certainly happy to uh, have you back in the fold. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate you having you on the pig pod here. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. It was, it was a fun time. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. Again, a huge thanks to Nick for taking some time out of his busy schedule in order to join us here today. Great conversation with Nick, one of the nicest guys that you can meet uh, in the entirety of baseball. Just an absolute pleasure to have on, a pleasure to have in the clubhouse, and we look forward to having him again uh, here in the 2024 season as well. Well, that'll about wrap it up for this episode of The Pig Pond. Thank you so much for tuning in. We should have our next episode of the podcast coming out very shortly in the next week or two. Uh, have an interview planned for the next one that'll be with Pigs outfielder Cal Stevenson, uh, another guy who actually at one point played with Nick Podkle in the Blue Chase system. So keeping on that theme and we'll uh, have Cal on for our next episode. So until then, uh, you know, everybody have a great uh, holiday season here with Thanksgiving. I don't think our next episode will be out before then. So since I won't talk to you until then, have a very happy Thanksgiving. Make sure you get your new Pennsylvania Dutch Iron Pigs inspired jerseys, the hex sign. It's absolutely awesome. We're so happy to add that to collection for our Saturdays. You can go to shopironpigs.com to buy those or stop by the clubhouse store here at Coca-Cola Park. That'll do it for this episode of the Pig Pod. Until next time, I've been Sam Jelnick and thanks for tuning in.